Hello and welcome to the first edition of Conversations with the Mind. I'm your host, Shane Lamaster. Um, welcome everybody. I'm so happy to finally get this kicked off and get this started. Um, it's been a long time in the making and um, I have a lot of good stuff to, to talk about <clears throat> as well as a bunch of interesting people to bring on and hopefully you all can find some value in it um, and better your own lives. So welcome. The podcast is called Conversations with the Mind. It centers around the idea that we share a collective consciousness, a collective knowledge base that we can all draw from and add to. Um, I first came in contact with this concept through my studies of Carl Jung and his archetypes and uh, the collective stream of knowledge. Um, also through um, diving in a little bit into Nik uh, Nikola Tesla's history um, and how he used to say he would get transmissions from some other source, some other worldly source. Um, you know, who, you can interpret that however you wish. But um, I really like that idea that we can all, you know, sort of tap into the collective knowledge base of all human existence and even bigger consciousness than that, you know, um, plants, animals, uh, the earth itself as a living consciousness out all the way into the solar system, galaxy and universe, multiverse. So welcome once again. And um, so we just like to interview um, sort of in a conversational style, um, random people and and like to see what they're up to these days, uh, how they're adding to the collective consciousness. Um, a little bit about our sponsors. Um, we are sponsored by MindOps. Um, you can find it at www.mind-ops.com. Um, that's a full service um, private practice counseling um, where we do performance enhancement through mental training uh, for athletes and um, anybody, business, professionals, um, surgeons, lawyers, students. Um, we also do uh, general psychotherapy as well as psychedelic integration therapy um, and addictions counseling as well. So uh, we cover quite a wide range of um, services. So check us out, www.mindops.com. Today, um, we are going to start off with our new good news segment. So we feel like everybody is um, always caught up in negative news these days on TV or online. And uh, we just want to do the opposite and have a news segment that's only good news. So um, here's our first episode of uh, good news and we'll start off with a new article that was published in Neuroscience News, um, June 12th of this year, 2018. The headline reads, Ketamine and Psychedelic Drugs Change Structure of Neurons. Now, this has been um, speculated on for a long time and um, has been a, a widely held belief within the psychedelic communities that uh, psychedelic drugs, ketamine being included in this case in, in that class of drugs, have very positive effects on um, the human brain and the human uh, uh, nerve system, the central nervous system. And uh, this is just really cool that it came out in uh, such a prestigious journal as Neuroscience News. Um, those of us who are familiar with the psychedelic communities know that these uh, compounds um, have been researched for many, many decades, um, even longer by indigenous tribes um, for thousands and thousands of years. Um, and it's great to finally see um, some of these compounds being um, shown the respect that they deserve in the in the uh, mainline uh, news journals. So that's the first um, rendition of good news. Um, also in good news in the world, puppies are being born every single day, so that's always a good thing. Um, so enjoy that little piece. Um, more good news to come in future episodes. Um, today's guest is our first guest, and I'm honored to have her here. Um, it's my fiance, the love of my life, my soulmate, Callie Coranto, uh, soon to be Callie Lamaster uh, in a, just a couple months. And... Um, 
she's here to talk about her contributions to the collective mind and and just have a conversation with me and get me get me moving on this podcast venture that I'm I'm branching out and starting today. So, uh, welcome, Callie. Glad you're here. Thanks. I'm really glad that we finally are doing this podcast that we've been talking about for like several months. So this is exciting. Yeah. Is this your this is your first podcast you've ever been on, right? Yes, very yeah. much so. So so far, what is your experience like? Is it? It's very relaxed and laid oh, back. Good. It's nice. I good. enjoy it. Yeah, no, I was pretty nervous in my first podcast. So, so yeah, um, conversations with the mind. When I, you know, I have my own um, thoughts on what that means, um, but I'm curious, just from the phrase itself, what does that, what does that mean to you? How do you interpret um, the phrase "conversations with the mind"? Um, for me, I think we all have a lot of self-talk going on in our heads all the time. Um, so either we're conversing with our own minds, which is kind of a weird concept to think about, um, that we can talk to our brains, mm -hmm. but we all do it. So that into itself says a lot about who we are as human beings and how we kind of evolve as people. Um, because for me, it's like, uh, some days I might be driving to school and my self-talk will be like, Hey, this is really stressful. Why are you even doing this? And then almost immediately my brain's like, because you really wanted this because five years ago mm. you imagined yourself doing something better with your life. So I have conversations with my mind all the time. Sure. Um, I think, yeah, I think everybody or most people do. I think it's pretty healthy to have conversations with yourself, don't you? Yeah. I think it's a great way to kind of keep yourself in check or to help yourself gain a more positive outlook on what's happening in your life. Yeah. It's kind of weird, you know, um, when we're kids, we talk to like imaginary voices and imaginary creatures and things like that. Right. And, and it's widely accepted. But then in early adolescence, they say, you know, stop talking to yourself, go talk to other people, you know, and the society kind of shuts that off or de-emphasizes that that aspect almost like we kind of lose our our um, our direction or our um, anyway and, and then it comes it seems to come back like when we're adults like we we talk more to ourselves um, and it's it can be seen as healthy um, even walking down the street like talking to yourself talking out loud you know that could be seen as psychotic by some <laughs> by some but also it could be seen as a, a healthy practice if you're doing it um know intentionally what do you think um well we both worked in the mental health field for a very long time so i definitely think there's the stigma um surrounding talking to yourself or um having negative or positive thoughts in your mind um because that concept of oh i'm hearing voices or if i am talking to myself then that's unhealthy and there's something wrong with me so um I think that is a really difficult thing for people to even talk about is the conversations that they have with themselves. Because I imagine a lot of what we're saying in our heads, we don't really ever want to share with any other human being on the planet, you know, because it might be really embarrassing um, or we might be ashamed of the things that we're thinking or talking to our own minds about. Um, so that can be really difficult to get people to kind of open up and say what's going on in their minds and what those conversations are that they're having with themselves. So something that I try to do is have positive, like I said, positive conversations with myself. Cause like maybe sometimes, and of course I'm ashamed to say this, um, but maybe sometimes I will be like riding my bike to school and I will be stopped at a stoplight and there's somebody in a car next to me who's smoking a cigarette. And in my head, I'll think, God, that is so fucking rude. I, I don't want to smell your stupid cigarette smoke. You're just giving yourself lung cancer. And then I have to, like, stop myself. Be like, wow, Callie, that was a really rude thing to say about somebody, mm. even in your mind. Like, you shouldn't think that. You should really think, hey, I hope this person um, finds the path mm. to quitting smoking cigarettes because that is a more positive thing to think. And that's a, a better way to look at the world. So, um, or I could see somebody really out of shape and in my head, I'm thinking, God, why are you going through the McDonald's drive through again? Like clearly you don't need it. And then almost instantly I'll catch myself and be like, mm. wow, that is a really 
inappropriate and mean thing to think. You should really send some positive thoughts their way and hope that, you know, they start making healthier choices when it comes to the food intake that mm -hmm. they're having. So I don't know. There's just like that kind of stigma around negative thoughts and we don't want to share those with people sure. because we're worried that people might judge us. You talk about negative and positive thoughts almost like they're from two separate voices, right? Yeah. So when you experience, you know, those different types of self-talk and they come up um, and you notice that switch, so you notice the dichotomy between the two, mm -hmm. like the tone behind it, the feeling that it gives you when you engage in that voice. Um, like, do you feel like it's, you know, when you're, when you hear these different voices, obviously they're all coming from you, but for me anyway, when I hear like negative voice, it has a totally different tone, may not even sound like my voice. Um, you know, I'm not audibly hearing it, but uh, it, it gives me a different feeling. Like it's almost mm -hmm. like, um, like multiple competing parts of my consciousness, separate pieces that are all part of a collective, but trying to fight for the loudest volume like who who can who can out out scream or out reason the other ones and who's gonna who's gonna get the credit uh or who you know wh which thought is shane really gonna engage in and act on yeah know? i think that there's this um it's been told to me as an old native american legend which could potentially be completely wrong because you know um we tend to embellish and make stories bigger and different as time goes on. But I did hear this story that um, this young Native American man um, went to talk to his grandfather and was asking, like, how do I control my anger? And the grandfather was like, oh, you have two wolves inside you. One is anger and fear and rage and all these negative aspects about you. And then there is another wolf, and that wolf is, like, kindness and love. Um, and whichever one you feed is the one that will survive. Mm -hmm. So I think we're always going to have light and darkness. We're always going to have good and bad. We're always going to have this yin yang, um, that exists within ourselves, within the universe, mm -hmm. um, in the world around us. And we have to look at which one we're going to feed within ourselves, mm -hmm. because that's the only way that we're going to ever change mm -hmm. the world as a whole. Um, when, you, when you say feed what comes to my mind is like whichever um, voice you choose to put more energy into. Right. Yeah. So, so if you have a negative voice that comes up and you choose, cause it's, I, I feel it's a choice, right? You have a, the thought itself is automatic. There's no choice in that, but that comes up and then you have a choice whether to engage further, put more energy into that negative thought and go down the rabbit hole Yeah. or make the choice not to put energy into that. Don't feed that, that negative wolf and instead direct that, that energy store that you have available into a more positive thought, right? So you're talking yeah. about, you see these people, you have like this initial judgment, um, but then immediately like this guilt afterwards and then a compassionate thought right afterwards. So yeah. I want to know, like, what is, where do you think that compassionate thought comes from? Do you think that we develop the ability to switch into that compassionate mind or do you think it comes innately? I know, you know, you're an empath, so you innately have this ability to connect with somebody, even if you don't know them, and just see them and feel them as a human being. Uh, where do you think that compassionate thought comes from? Well, I think, um, and it might be a little bit more uh, pronounced when you're an adult, but I think we're all born with compassion um, and the ability to... Um, empathize with what's going on around us with the people around us um but i think that what prevents us from expressing that as much is patience um because it takes a lot of patience to really stop and listen to what's going on around you or to what um people are experiencing around you and a large part of what i even think i did in like mental health was having patience, having patience with um whatever client was going through mm -hmm. at that point in time, because it can be really easy to walk into a situation where a person could be really suffering and you want to just immediately fix it for them. But it does like, as humans, we don't work that mm -hmm. way. Like we, ha we work through our emotions at different speeds. All of us have our own um, rate at which we deal with things. And some people get more stuck 
in their emotions than others. Um, but if you're going to intervene with somebody, you want to have patience. So if you're going to intervene with yourself, you got to have patience as well. Um, so when you're talking about like how I came about this was I would have patience with myself. Like I would have these negative thoughts kind of pop into my head about myself or other people. And I would maybe immediately berate myself for having those mm-hmm. thoughts yeah, and be like, yeah. that's not okay. But then I would never stop to think like, okay, how do I make this better? Um, I'm going to send them my positive thoughts or I'm going to reframe what I was thinking to make it more positive. And so then I bring in that element of patience of like, this will get better with time. Mm-hmm. The more that I practice this, the more that I work at this, the less negative thoughts I'll have and the more positive thoughts that I mm-hmm. will have instead of always focusing on like, shit, I'm still having negative thoughts. What the hell? Right. Um, you know, so learning patience for myself in the process that I'm going through as well as having patience with the people mm-hmm. around me and patience with my environment really helps me deal with it and continue on this journey of being a more positive, happy person. Yeah. I so. think that patience is so huge and people aren't patient with themselves but what do you think um you know do you think that patience is developed do you think it's inborn (laughs) right so so you've got to develop patience oh yeah i'm Um, a way more patient person because of my eight years working in mental health i used to not be patient at all sure i used to be um very impulsive as i think all people are uh in wanting instant gratification and wanting what i wanted right now Um, in our culture Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think most children are that way too. Like Mm -hmm. just regardless of what culture you're in, Mm -hmm. children in general just don't understand that concept of patience. Like they may have empathy and they may have love and positivity, but they don't always have the ability to wait for it. So patience is absolutely learned. And I think I still have a long way to go with my patience. Yeah. So then, so then in order to develop anything and patience included in that, that's like a, it's like a journey of self-discovery, a journey of self-growth, um, of progress, of evolution for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just like, you know, learning jujitsu or something, you know, you're, you're constantly progressing. And when you talk about it that way, I think it goes even deeper. Like, what what is your motivation for continuing to go through that process, you know, continuing to remind yourself, you know... Um, I should I should insert a positive thought here afterwards, or I shouldn't feel so bad um, when I have these judgmental thoughts of others. Um, what's your motivation? What's your higher goal? Do you think of um, developing that patience? I don't remember an exact moment where I wanted to be a better person. No, well, maybe that's not true. Uh, I think maybe like eight, ah, uh, maybe like five or six years ago. I felt kind of this weird draw to like Buddhism Mm -hmm. and I don't know what brought me to that point, but I remember sitting down on my computer and looking it up and thinking, what is it about Buddhism that so many people like? Mm -hmm. And, um, I wouldn't recommend going to the Wikipedia page for it because it's super overwhelming and there's tons of information of all the different types of Buddhism. And it's really, really hard to kind of get involved in the philosophy of Buddhism and um i love it yeah i studied some of it in college and i can't put those books down well they're great (laughs) but yeah for like a person who's just kind of getting into it like i said it can be super overwhelming and and it might push them away from it so definitely don't go don't go to the wikipedia page (laughs) yeah it'll blow your mind once you go you can go super deep yeah um so i would suggest um maybe just kind of looking up like the general principles of the philosophy Mm -hmm. of buddhism but one of those huge ones is you know like having patience um, I think there are very, there's a lot of commonalities between all religions and philosophies of like, don't kill and don't steal. And, um, but one of the things that made Buddhism really great was this concept of that we're all like really good people mm, in innate, that innate goodness, innate goodness, and yeah. in that we can work towards that and cultivate it and make it better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's kind of when it started for me of like, I didn't want to be judgmental anymore. And I didn't want to always see the bad in the world. I wanted to feed the positivity. And it could have been that, you know, um, around this time, the government was moving away from 
residential treatment for at-risk teenage youth, which I had spent eight years doing, was working with children Mm -hmm. who had led horrible lives, um, had been brought up in terrible environments, and the government's pulling funding for a lot of these kids to be there and saying, hey, we'll just do this in their homes. And in my head, I'm thinking, a lot of these kids don't have homes, or maybe their abusers live in their homes, or maybe their home is where their gang is. And Mm -hmm. I was so frustrated and upset that they couldn't see the government couldn't see how much good we were doing for these kids. And it was really hurting me. So, um, what do you think they couldn't see it? Like they didn't have the stats or what? I mean, how many government officials do you know that go and spend any extended period of time in a residential treatment center? Yeah, well, I worked in a few and I never saw one. Yeah. So they, <laughs> they literally have no idea what it's like right. for, um, any of those kids in there. They, they just assumed that they could tell us the best way to raise these children without, having to actually be involved with raising the children. So it was oh, weird. Makers. I know it was this kind of weird concept that I didn't really get. And it was so frustrating because I genuinely loved working with the kids that I worked with. They're all really incredible people and they all had really wonderful hearts and they just been dealt a really shitty hand of cards in life. So, um, you know, I, I think it was in a lot of pain just personally like taking on the suffering of like these kids. And so I felt this draw, like I needed something to kind of ease this pain or give me a path to take. So I found Buddhism and um, it was a very slow kind of evolution into it. And Were really you searching under- for, for something like that, some kind of structure or path um, at that time, or did you fall into it? I kind of, I don't know. I just felt really lost and kind of adrift, you know, like yeah. I didn't really know. And it, maybe I was searching for spirituality because for a very long time, um, after a couple different forays into Christianity, um, yeah, don't get me started. Yeah, <laughs> my family going from different sects of Christianity, which is crazy to me, um, really kind of turned me off to the idea of spirituality mm. and that there was like this higher power that um, said that you know if you're gay, you're gonna go burn in this eternal fire forever and ever. And I was like, that is so cruel. So, um, also don't wear anything of mixed, uh, like linens, like cotton or spandex. You should also go to hell. Um, so that was super weird to me. (laughs) So I fell away from this idea of spirituality for a really long time. Um, and finding my way to Buddhism, I think what also eased the path is Buddhism isn't a religion. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just a philosophy. It was just a guy saying, don't be a shitty person. Sure. Um, very similar to Jesus, but you know, without the whole, like, if you're gay, you're going to go to hell, mm-hmm. you know, thing. Or if you are black, you're of lesser yeah. um, than of white people. So I don't know. It's just a weird thing with Christianity sometimes. But as a general rule, I like the idea of a philosophy um, because then we're in charge of our own destinies. Right. We are the ones that are responsible for what we do. And I think that is ultimately what is going to help us move towards a higher level of consciousness yeah, is when we realize that we're the ones that are in charge of it, not not a higher being in the sky, which I do think there's a higher level of spirituality out there sure. somewhere. There could be higher level of consciousness. Like, we don't know. This could all be a computer simulation. Sure. But um, as long as we hold ourselves accountable and we're moving towards that positivity, yeah. I think that's what's going to help. I kind of think of, I, I fell into Buddhism sort of um, accidentally. Um, but then got really got really interested in it and decided to take a few college courses, a couple um, upper level, uh, graduate level courses as an undergrad in shamanism and Buddhism and Zen Buddhism and Chinese Buddhism and just got really deep into it. And um, I found it, yeah, like you said, it's, it's not a religion. Um, the Buddha said himself, you know, to all the people sitting there listening to him, he's like, don't listen to a word I say. Like, don't take my word yeah. as as law. Please don't. Like, go out and experience it for yourself. And for me, coming from an atheist background, I was like, um, yeah, experience makes so much sense. Like, that's how we learn. That's how we experience. That's how we perceive the world. Um, and so I really got into Buddhism and it, and it really paralleled um, some of my 
previous uh, psychedelic experiences from my t my teens and early twenties when I was uh, taking these substances recreationally, mm -hmm. and and then you go into different realms, and then all of a sudden I'm reading in Buddhist books like exact descriptions of what I've seen in in these uh, states of consciousness, and it just everything solidified right there for me. But I kind of see Buddhism itself as like a blueprint for living, yeah, um, and so. It's not a religious path. Um, it's a blueprint for living, just like a lot of different things in my life, right? Like, um, I'm a former alcoholic, so, you know, I've been through the 12 steps many times, and I feel like the 12 steps is also like a, a blueprint for living a sober life. So, mm -hmm. like, I kind of mix all these different um, ideas on consciousness, right? I, I take ideas of consciousness from Buddhism. I take ideas of consciousness from philosophers like Nietzsche and Socrates and Aristotle and Plato. And I take these theories of consciousness from the 12 steps and from my own psychedelic experiences and Carl Jung and all these different people, you know, religious leaders, and then try and make this amalgam of, of what it means to me because my, you know, my only, concept of consciousness can only come from my own personal experience yeah. right <clears throat> so everybody's consciousness out there is different um but you know there's this underlying idea that you know we're all part of something bigger right you mentioned that you, there's something out there right some energy something that binds us all together um Talk more about that. Like, do you think it, it binds uh, us with animals, like with plants, like, um... Well, I will say um, the funniest thing about Buddhism that I enjoy the most is that it mirrors science so closely. Oh, yeah. Science is, is proving these yeah. Buddhist theories from... <laughs> it's it's so cool to see that happen. There's, like, uh, I have a book, something about... Uh, the Dalai Lama goes and pontificates about... Um, science and he wrote a book about it and it was really cool it's i forgot the title the of universe it. Of on a single atom that's the one <laughs> um so that's a really good book to read but the thing about buddhism is it wants it encourages you to be a critical thinker mm -hmm. question everything question everything S same thing with science um you know you want to be a critical thinker and you want to question everything you never take anything at face value until you've had time to form a hypothesis test the hypothesis and you're never really proven right you're always just waiting to be proven wrong mm -hmm. Uh, so I enjoy that aspect of it as well. I also read a book um, that's like, what if we're wrong about everything? Mm -hmm. And it's, um, or it's what if we're wrong. And it's a really great book that says, given enough time, everything that we think is going to be proven wrong. And through the history of mankind, that has always been the case. Um, like my, one of my favorite ones is gravity. Mm -hmm. um, the original hypothesis of gravity was rock stayed on the earth because they craved being on the earth mm -hmm. which is wild to think about now <laughs> like who would ever think that rocks just wanted to be on the earth like mm -hmm. it makes no sense uh so now we can look at it and be like oh gravity is this force pulling everything inward but in reality we don't know what gravity is still like right. we have no idea what it is what the force is behind it so for me to kind of speculate on um this higher consciousness or what the universe is or a higher power to be, it's like the idea of me walking up to an anthill and trying to explain to them what humans are. Mm -hmm. They have no concept of what I'm saying. They don't understand it. Um, and it's going to be millions of years before ants could potentially evolve to even understand human speech. And I feel that's the same way for humans. Whatever this higher power may be or whatever the universe is, um, we really have no way to understand it. Like we're going to keep trying no matter what. Um, and that in itself is beautiful that we're going to continue yeah, this journey towards understanding it and this evolution, which may take another million years. But um, I don't presume to say that I can even understand or even speak on what this higher, like higher power, higher spirituality is because I guarantee that ain't hill knows that I'm there. Mm hmm but they don't know what I am or right. what my um, motives are or what I'm going to do to them. So it's kind of the same thing. I know it's there. I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. But um, regardless, setting that aside, I still hold myself accountable. I try very hard to hold myself accountable and be a better person because I don't, I can't explain what that higher power is. I can't sure. explain what that spirituality is. So I'm not going to hold myself 
to this set of standards because that higher power that I don't understand and can't explain is telling me, and I say that with air quotes, how to be a better person. Yeah. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, to me, you know, it kind of feels like, um, you know, this, this collective aspect. You know, you talk about um, you know, doing the right thing, being a good person, um, and I was asking you a little bit ago about the motivation behind that. Um, I feel like, you know, for me, the, the motivation to engage in this, um, in the study of the mind or Buddhism or living a good life or being compassionate is to, um, be, um, a positive influence on the collective, um, human species, on the collective earth, on the collective consciousness, whatever. Um, and you, you described I always find it fascinating talking to, talking to people about um, higher power stuff um, because it is so different between each and every person um, based on experience. And you described it like with this, you know, this, per, this person, you, and then talking to ants, right? So two separate beings, mm -hmm. right? And for me, um, I kind of feel like it's, um, you know, there is this greater energy or whatever that holds us together and and helps us interact with everything from our planet to the four galaxies but that it's not something separate from us that we are a part of it right so our consciousness our physical body is all made up of stardust and atoms and you know we're all made of the same stuff we're all um, physically the same stuff and then so why not um, our minds be collective in such a way that we're, we're the same stuff um and so if we're a part of this higher power, um, then innately we should be able to understand it on some level. Like we should have the capacity to understand it, right? Like uh, we have trillions of cells in our body. Each little cell is not totally aware of every other cell in the body and what they do and, and things like that. But they're aware that they're part of a larger system and they're, they're an important part. Um, no matter how minuscule they are. So I feel for me anyway, my motivation is I just want to be a contributing cell. I don't want to be a cell that takes away from the whole, you know, I want to add to the whole, I want to make the whole better. I want to make it evolve. Um, knowing that I'm not going to last forever too, just like a cell, right. I'll be recycled, um, and turned into another, um, uh, combination of atoms, right. So we're, we're part of this collective. So, I feel like we should be able to tap into that, you know, and, and understand maybe not on a scientific level or be able to describe it with language even, but we feel it, right? We, yeah. we know that we're connected to something. Um, so we should be able to understand it on some level. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what my whole life is geared towards. I think, uh, everybody's on some level is trying to understand like their part, their role in, in the universe or in their communities, even in their families. And some people just get lost. They get lost in whatever it is that pulled them down. Um, or they can get lost in whatever it is that... And feeding uh, the negative wolf. Yeah, in feeding the negative wolf. And so for me, I believe that trying to be positive and trying to make um, a change in the world. And when I say the world, like obviously my little world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it reminds me a little bit, again, you're talking about cells. So we could relate it back to like, kind of like a virus, a virus, um, invades a cell mm -hmm. and injects its DNA into that cell oh, and, so. um, it infects it and it changes its genetic code so that more virus can be, um, produced. It basically hijacks the machinery of the cell to produce more of itself. Um, and then it sends it out of the cell into other cells around it. Um, so if you look at kind of like positivity or even negativity as a virus and mm. you are a cell, can you possibly hijack your own machinery to mm. make your thoughts more positive or more negative? Mm. And then whatever you send out into that collective universe, um, could be spread, you know? So, um, well, we talked about yeah. like alcohol earlier and, um, one of the things that brought us together is weirdly enough, alcohol um, and the fact that I just don't drink mm -hmm. and, um, it was really comforting to me to be with somebody who doesn't drink either because, um, I choose not to drink by choice. 
uh, because I feel that would not be a good path for me to go down. So having somebody that also didn't drink uh, was a very attractive attribute of you. Yeah, I'm allergic to alcohol. (laughs) Break out in handcuffs. Super, super thankful Mm -hmm. that um, you're allergic to alcohol. But, you know, we are drawn to these things that make us either more positive or negative people. Uh, So alcoholics um, tend to group together in a negative or in a positive way. Um, So like Alcoholic Anonymous, working the 12 steps together, Mm -hmm. that's positivity spread. Sure. Um, Or, you know, like you go to a bar and you see all these old um, haggard guys, you know, drinking and shooting pool and spending all their hard-earned money on um, alcohol and stuff like that. And that could potentially be negativity spreading. Um, So I don't think I'm like a powerful being that can just go and change the world at a drop of a hat. But if I can be positive to one person, whether it's even just in my own thoughts, then maybe that will feed into them and then maybe they'll be positive to another person, mm-hmm. maybe well, yeah. just once. So you kind yeah. of create this ripple effect yeah, totally. of positivity or negativity. So I try to be really cognizant every day um, of how my interactions with people will potentially affect them. Right. Because I know, as you mentioned, like um, my empath kind of nature, uh, I feel things really keenly when people are negative to me. It hurts me a lot. And so I'm able to really translate that to if I'm negative to somebody, they could potentially feel like that too. And that makes me hurt doubly as bad because... Because then you just did some damage or some hurt. Yeah, and I'm also damaging myself in the process because it it feeds back onto me. Um, So that that can be really difficult. I really don't like um, being negative to people if I can at all avoid it because um, it does hurt really bad and I don't want them to hurt. You talk about the ripple effect too, and you know the butterfly effect, also similar, right? Yeah. But they, you know, they've they've actually proven that, um, you know, our thoughts, our actual, th- the, the actions of the the brain, right? And I I'm a big proponent of separating brain and mind, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that the mind resides in the brain. I'm more akin to Stan Groff's um, ideas that the, the, the conscious mind is outside of our physical body and that yeah. our brain is just kind of a receptor or antenna to, to channel that into physical action. But, um, where was I going with that? I think we were talking oh, about uh, the power of the mind. Yeah. And, and thoughts, um, have been measured that they put out actual vibrations out in beyond our skull, yeah. right? So our thoughts are not just these abstract concepts floating around in, in space, but um, the, the action of our brain and our mind and our thoughts um, put out vibrations sort of like uh, frequencies, like radio waves. Um, each thought has having a different frequency or a different um, um, vibra- vibratory rate, right? Mm-hmm. And so we all know from physics and, and science that you know, um, things like radio waves, gamma rays, microwaves, they all have physical impacts in Mm -hmm. our material world, um, in various ways. So if they have impacts, then why not also infer that, you know, our thoughts, the vibrations from our thoughts have similar impacts, right? So, but they could be so minuscule that, that we can't necessarily measure them, right? Too many variables maybe, but if you have a negative thought of somebody or, Think of this, have a negative thought of yourself. Mm-hmm. Imagine what sort of vibration you're sending out into into the universe, into that person. Yeah. And how's that reacting with their cells and their DNA on the, on the microscopic level? And then if you have negative energy directed to yourself, right, negative vibrations, how's that affecting your body? Um, my favorite book of all time, The Intention Experiment, talks about this. And she talks about spontaneous remission in terminally ill patients mm-hmm. where – they did this these studies where um, people who remained positive in their thinking, um, even though they were terminally ill, had spontaneous remission sometimes of their their tumors, their cancers, just from positive thinking and positive. Uh, who knows if it, if it was the positive vibrations from their thoughts? But the people who maintain negative outlooks and negative thoughts about themselves, their tumors got worse, their cancers got worse. These people died faster. Yeah. Um, at statistically significant rates, right? So, and I think a lot of that has yeah. to do with people who have um, positive or negative outlooks on themselves or um, 
I don't know, uh, the word I'm looking for right now is like, uh, the, how they view themselves. Um, I think they're also less likely to take care of themselves. Um, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I'm back in school for, um, food science and human nutrition, because they want to be a dietitian. And, um, because I think people tend to not take care of their bodies if they don't have a positive outlook on who they are, or if they have a positive self-image, um, because it can be really difficult in this day and age as well, which side thought, I just had this thought of like, maybe in like, and this is totally self-serving in like maybe 200 years, somebody might listen to this podcast and be like, man, this guy knew about the vibrations, <laughs> you know, because maybe in 200 years or 300 years, they're going to prove that. Like with empirical, I say prove that. That's a terrible thing to say. They're not going to be able to disprove it. They're going to sure. have pretty strong evidence that it is real. Same thing with gravity and Newton, you know, thinking that rocks craved being on the earth. Um, and now we understand gravity. And in 200, 300 years, they're going to be like, wow, this really was a thing. Like, how did they not know about this? But we don't understand gravity. Because yeah. Einstein disproved Newton and new people are disproving Einstein. Exactly. So who's to say? Right. That, like right now, there could be people that are going to be listening to this podcast and be like, listen to these two crazy people talking about mind vibrations. What weirdos. Mm -hmm. You know, and then in 200 years, they'll be like, how did they not know about the mind mm -hmm. vibrations? Like everybody mm -hmm. uses them now. Um, which brought me to another fun thought, um, of back of working in mental health is we ran a group with the girls where we gave them like a cup full of dirt and we put a flower seed in it and oh, we told yeah. them to take care of it. Mm -hmm. And I think you were actually working there at that time. Um, and down in my cottage monarch, there was a girl that was very, very quiet and really hard to get out of her shell shell. She's super sweet. She's an incredible kid. Um, probably the sweetest person I've ever met. But she would hang out in her room all the time, didn't really want to talk to anybody, um, didn't really want to spend time around big groups of people. Um, and we told the girls, take care of your seeds, water them, talk to them. And, you know, in a couple months when the snow melts, we'll go outside and plant them. A couple months later, they all brought their seeds out of their rooms and we were getting ready to plant them. And lo and behold, here comes this girl, this quiet little girl. And her plant is a good two-thirds bigger than everybody else's plant. And we're like, wow, what did you do? She's like, I talked to my plant every single day and I told it how much I loved it and how much I wanted to see it grow big and strong. And this quiet girl who had nobody else to talk to spent that entire time talking to this plant and this plant flourished. Yeah. It was incredible. So um, maybe in 200 years, we'll understand what that was. We'll be able to define it. We'll be able to explain it. But I do know that it's a thing. Like when you are positive, when you say nice things to other people or to yourself, like there's going to be growth. Something is going to feed that and encourage you to become a better person. So um, if you were to look at the world and all the people and even plants and animals and everything as living things, you can look at it and say, I'm going to feed it my positivity and I'm going to say nice things about it and maybe it'll grow and be beautiful. So that's kind of my motivation, as you said earlier, for being a better person is yeah. I want the world around me to be more beautiful and um a happier growing place so uh that's why i try to be a positive person well if you just keep me fed then i will <laughs> then i'll be happy all the time oh gosh um, like no, recently so, when i broke my nose and right you told everybody is because i didn't make dinner that yeah. was pretty good stuff yeah um but all jokes aside no i mean <laughs> i mean going back to you know your specialty in school right now and i'm so proud of you for all the Thank hard work you. you put in, you're going to do great. Yeah. Um, but coming from that sort of background now, I mean, you, you were saying, you know, maybe overweight or people who don't take care of themselves um, produce negative self-talk um, because they don't like their body or whatever, body image issues or, or whatever. About them. Right? Yeah. So from your perspective now, having studied this a little bit, what do you think came first, the chicken or the egg? Do you think that people were... Um, not taking care of themselves and therefore um, thought negatively about themselves? Or do you think they thought negatively about themselves first and then um, started not taking care of their bodies because their their mental concept of self was, was so low? Because I work on mostly the mental side, right? Yeah. Um, where, you know, I, I help um, take people sometimes from places that we're describing where, where they don't um, take care of themselves physically um, but they don't understand why. And so sometimes I, I help them, you know, understand, you know, 
whatever wound they're trying to work on that, that we need to um, overcome some sort of mental distress before you can find that that internal self-image right someone can be confident and and happy with themselves and still be overweight and use that as motivation to lose weight Um, so that's kind of where I work at it from that side you work on it um, mostly from the physical side but you also have the mental health experience as well oh yeah Um, totally I think a lot of it you thinking first I think a lot of it weirdly enough stems once again back to patience Mm. um you know so with the advent of technology um and, ins- yeah. and instant gratification became mm-hmm. a huge thing. Consumerism. Um, so we started to lose that quest for patience. Um, and when you look at somebody who might have negative self-talk or are just not taking care of themselves, um, you could probably look at their lifestyle and see that like maybe they're one of those people that like to order their groceries online and just go pick them up. Or maybe they don't even buy groceries. Maybe they just go to fast food um, and just hit a drive-thru every single night for their meals. Maybe um, instead of working at a job that requires physical labor, they're sitting at a desk all day and they're not moving. And um, they start to feel worse and worse about themselves. So with the advent of all this technology and making our lives easier, we somehow have lost our patience and appreciation of the journey that Mm. it is that we are as human beings. Because like I said earlier, kids are all about instant gratification. They want what they want and they want it now. Um, And somehow we have kind of maybe stopped growing out of that as much and we're not acquiring patience. Um, Because I think being positive too requires patience. So if you're looking at like a weight loss journey, um, on the healthy end, maybe a pound a week would be a great way to lose weight. Most people don't want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they want the, the they 10 want... minute abs and 10 pounds off in 10 days. Exactly, which is super unhealthy. And then you've introduced all this um, major crappy, stress to your body. Major stress to your body. Um, and then you're introducing these negative thoughts because maybe you did lose 10 pounds in 10 days, but then you started eating again. Right. And, came and right it back. all came back <laughs> and maybe a few pounds more because that's just how our metabolisms work and it sucks. Um, so you're in, you're integrating all this negativity and all this frustration and suffering into your life um, because you're not patient and being patient with being patient with ourselves is super difficult as well. Um, especially when you have things like social media, which I recently took a break from social media and it was super great. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you're back and how do you feel? I'm I don't spend as much time on it as I used to and I also Good. don't take it as seriously as I used to so anymore. So it was an eye opener for you. Yeah, I think with the advent of social media it was a great it was a great concept to begin with. Stay in touch with people mm-hmm. um, you know, that may live far away from you or you don't get to see all the time and now it's turned into a place where we can feel superior over other human beings, which is also very negative. Like it feeds our ego and might make us feel better in the moment. But in general, the overall feeling of being superior over somebody else is a negative experience. Right. And that's directly in, um, an opposite to this idea of collective consciousness, right? If you're feeling power over somebody, then you're automatically assuming that you're separate. Yeah. You're separate from that other person. And so like you can hop on social media and you can see somebody, posted something about let's just use something really recent in the news is about all these immigrant children being separated from their families and you have people on two sides of the spectrum of oh well they should be allowed to stay in our country because we're the land of the free and then you have this other side of don't let these people in our country they're stealing our jobs why can't they just be better people in their own countries and i think what everybody's missing in this not everybody i think the element that's being missed in this is that we're all human beings mm-hmm. and we all have lungs and livers and we all have blood and we all have thoughts and feelings and we're missing that concept right. that they are in fact human beings. No, all we of have us to have a wall. Are yeah. human, <laughs> build the wall. Um, we're all human beings and we all have thoughts and feelings and somehow that's getting lost. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we're um, having all these negative things happening in our world. We're having this obesity epidemic on the rise. We're having higher incidences of cardiovascular disease. Um, Children are having heart attacks now, which is wild. Um, And this is all coming from my experience uh, in 
the field of human nutrition, but in the mental health field, we're seeing higher incidences of anxiety and mental health disorders. Um, and I think it's because we're losing this concept that we're all human beings. Mm -hmm. We're all human beings and we should all love and care for each other and try to be better human beings and take care of each other. I think I just said that. Um, because that is what's going to lead us to a better world. Instead, we like to lord over other people and say, I'm superior to you because I have a better education. Or I'm superior to you because I have more money. Or I'm superior to you because I was born in this country with rights and you came from another country that doesn't have rights. Or I'm be better than you because I'm white and you're black. What about, because sometimes I do feel superior to people <laughs> because I know jujitsu and well, <laughs> like I walk into a room and I'm like, Oh my god, like these there's a bunch of guys in here with dad bods, like But don't this... you wanna teach them jujitsu? Don't you want them yeah, to come into so totally. you want you want them. I wanna share it. Yeah. I wanna share it with them. I don't yeah, I guess I don't go in there thinking like like sizing everyone up to see like, oh I could totally I'm totally gonna beat them up or something. It's more like Because if one of those guys with the dad god. bods yeah. walked into the gym and said, Hey, I'd really like to learn jujitsu, you'd be so pumped yeah. that they were there. Yeah. However, if in our country at large, we'll use this immigrant situation again, if a Mexican family crosses the border and says, hey, my life over there really sucks. They, There's, you know, cartel shooting up people in my town every single day and I don't have clean drinking water. Can I come over here and try to build a better life for myself? Like, why are we not pumped about that and being sure. like... Hey, I want to be. I want you to have a better life. Yeah, let me let me help you. Let me help you figure that out. Like just on a human yeah, being totally. level, you know. Um, I get there's so many other elements involved in like taxes and laws yeah. and blah blah blah. And there's but, decent arguments on the other side too. Yeah, you know. but at as a general human being level, you know, if we see a homeless person on the street and you think, hey, I'm gonna go buy them a sandwich and a big old bottle of water. That's not a terrible thing. That's yeah, a good thing that you can do. You've been yelled at by homeless people. I have. <laughs> so, and so, they might be yeah. they might be embroiled in their own negativity at that point, but that doesn't change the fact. Yeah. You made that the attempt. Yeah. I made the attempt, and I handed him a sandwich, and said, "Hey, here's some food." And maybe he doesn't want that sandwich because he'd rather have alcohol. So maybe another one of his homeless buddies will come by and be like, "Here, man, have a sandwich." Yeah. Did he throw it at you? I don't remember. Oh, okay. No, I don't think anybody. I thought you gave some down. guy once your leftovers, and then he like yelled and cursed you out and said like, "I don't want this food," and like threw it at you. You know, I don't think he threw it at me. I don't. I think he like was like, "I don't want this," and set it down. But that was like one homeless person mm -hmm. out of like literally hundreds mm -hmm. that I've handed food to. So I mean, like in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't terrible. Sure. So what about this idea, right? So we're talking about giving giving into the collective, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't want to sound socialist or anything <laughs> by, by saying that. That's not what I mean by collectivism or anything, you know? No, I mean even bigger collective, like inescapable collective. Um, but when you, when you give into the collective, you're talking about adding positivity to other people's experiences, right? So what do you think, um, I mean, for me anyway, when I give something, um, when I give someone a gift or when I, I give someone that something that they're not expecting, um, I get some benefit from it, right? I feel amazing afterwards. I yeah. can't tell you, you know, that's my number one suggestion for snapping someone and myself who battles with depression sometimes just out of depression is go do something for someone else. Guaranteed. It's going to snap you out of it, at least for a little while, gets you out of yourself. But like when I give to someone, I get, so much more in return, like a benefit, that equal opposite reaction, right? Yeah. Even if you give the, the person on the street some food, even if they don't want it, even if they don't eat it, you still benefit from that, right? Even if they don't choose to benefit from what you've given them, you still yeah. benefit. So, Well, it's that Buddhist this is, concept of give without expectation. Right, so you give without expectation, if but I, you still feel it. Is there a selfish component to that? Well, I mean, if I gave a sandwich to a homeless guy and he got really upset and he threw it back at me and I was like, oh my God, why did he accept this wonderful gift that I gave him? Um, that's giving with expectation. Sure, and that's straight if, out of ego. Yeah, and if I give him a sandwich and he doesn't want it, then that's totally cool. He doesn't want the sandwich. Fine, whatever. I move on with my life. Mm -hmm. um, that's to me giving without expectation or on the flip side of that. If I give him a sandwich, he's like, wow, thank you so much. I haven't ate in three days. Thank you so much. 
yes, then I get a happy, positive feeling because I know that in some small way I helped somebody um, have a better day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't walk into giving a sandwich with a homeless to a homeless person with the expectation that I was going to get that feeling. Right. It's really just like I see another human being that might need a sandwich, right. and here's a sandwich, and I'm going to move along with my life because, you know, it is what it is. So me. it was a positive side effect. Yeah. Of the good feeling that you received. Yeah. So then what about if you give to somebody? By the so, way, five-minute warning. Oh, yeah. Five-minute warning for everybody. Um, this is our first episode on Anchor. Um, so I'm not sure if it's if it allows me to I go over an hour. I don't think it's going to. But we're going to test it out, and we're just going to keep talking. And if it cuts out at um, the hour mark, then that's just the end of the first episode. And we kind of um, sound like old people right now. Have you seen those videos of, like, old people trying to figure out how to set up, like, their webcam and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Are we pushing the right button? <laughs> I, th- I think. I think that's what we're doing right I now. I hope this is working. So super exciting on our first yeah. episode that we are somehow presenting ourselves to be yeah. an elderly couple who doesn't understand technology. I think um, the screen thing is supposed to light what's up. What's that wavy line for? I don't understand. I don't know either. Oh, well, but, anyways, um, so <laughs> you got me, got me sidetracked. I'm sorry, but um, I just, I did want to get the five minute warning. Yeah, and I thanks. did want to say that, wow, we had some like super deep conversations on this particular podcast, your first podcast. Well, yeah, that's what this um, is all about. That's, I mean, so. that's one thing, you know, and we'll talk about the, I could talk about this on future podcasts or whatever, but, um, about having conversations with, with shallow people and just people who don't have the depth or the scope to, to, of experience or whatever, to have these types of conversations. Right. Like that's what uh, really drew me to you in the first place. Um, and, and, uh, caused me to ask you to be my wife is that, you know, I can have these type of depth conversations with you and you, um, you can understand me. So, so it wasn't my nunchuck skills. I thought, um, I thought guys only wanted to marry girls for their skills. Yeah, I mean, you do have some, some good attributes, some good skills. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I have a few. I cook for you. Um, part of my criteria in, in selecting you was making sure that you have skills to survive some sort of um, apocalyptic situation. Which I've so. been obsessed with zombie apocalypse right. before so, I even met so you. When so. I, yeah, when I found that out about you, I was like, oh, yeah, like, you're totally <laughs> stoked. She can handle herself. I don't have to, like provide everything for this person like they can they can provide for me sometimes yeah oh yeah i i routinely think if there was a zombie apocalypse what would be my first move Mm -hmm. um and you know we've been at concerts and stuff like that and my first question is to you okay zombie outbreak outbreak what's what's your first move yeah (laughs) keeps me on my toes and thinking about that stuff oh my goodness um yeah i i don't know i think we have a lot of fun with that and i think that our kind of our depth of thought that we have um, just separately is what drew me to you too, is that hey, you have, you're a very deep thinker and, um, you're very in tune to the universe around you and you do want to improve that. And also, I mean, you worked with a bunch of teenage girls and, uh, mm-hmm. you made such a huge difference in their lives. And that was also something else that drew me to you is that you, you have this, uh, great ability to, um, help the people around you and genuinely care about them, even though they might not be the nicest to you or they're not even asking for your help. You know, you, you saw a need and you responded and you helped people and that's pretty super awesome. And I just want to give a quick shout out to the fact that you do have your own um, private practice where you help people um, with whatever issues that they may have, regardless of sports performance related. Mm-hmm. He does mental a lot of that too, but he does mental health. He does addictions. Um, so I work with vets. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of, you do a lot of positive things and I'm really proud of you for really growing your business this past uh, three years that I've known you and really branching out and trying to help your community. Um, just up here in the Fort Collins on the Greeley area, you're really, uh, you're really doing what you can to help those people around you. And that's pretty incredible. So, yeah, Thanks. kudos to you. Thanks. Well, I'm helping right now on an individual and small group level, but my dream and hope has always been to get uh, to earn a PhD and, and start to affect um, systems on larger levels, so affecting more people through policy or through um, research or, or publication. Um, Sorry, our dog is currently trying to climb into our laps right now. So yeah, if don't let him any- on the bed. If you're hearing any weird, like, licking noises on the podcast or... He wants the attention 
been um, on the podcast. We're not doing anything creepy on our bed, I promise. It's really genuinely our dog um, trying to get in here and say his piece on the podcast. Because he also has some really deep thoughts about yeah. the uh, universe and He's how to be positive thinker. and help people. Because, you know, all dogs are innately good people. Oh, the screen turned red. That means we're running out of time. Okay. Shout out to do- mindops.com and to my guest, Callie Caronto. Have a good Yay. night.